So we're back. We were off uh, for a week due to weather, but we're back. Pam and Chuck, Real Talk with Chuck and Pam, brought to you by Sylvia's Irish Inn in Urbana, Illinois, as well as Hamilton Walker's downtown Champagne. We've got a lot to talk about this week. We do. We've got The Invisible Man, The Last Thing He Wanted from Netflix, Call of the Wild, and an interview with Ben Zeitlin from Wendy. We've got The Invisible Man to talk about. Oh, God. Chuck, Chuck, do tell, do tell. I want to hear your rendition. Why? Why? So you can be wrong and ridicule me? I, I, just, I mean... I just like, I, I love listening to the passion in your voice as you look down on the rest of us who have a different opinion on a film. Please. Well, it's just that, it's a, you know, I think that this movie is one that we have disagreed about most since we've been reviewing movies. Do you think so? I think so. Yeah, yeah. And here's why. Here's why. You know, I look down, okay? These were the movies I grew up on, okay? There was this program out of uh, Chicago on WGN called Creature Features. And when I was a kid, my dad had WGN on all the time, and Creature Features ran the old Universal Monster films. These are the movies I grew up on. Dracula and the Wolfman and Frankenstein. The and the The Wolfman. Okay. Wait, what'd you think I, I said? I thought you said the Wolfman. Wolfman. <laughs> Woof. No, he's not a dog. He's a wolf. Anyway. And, of course, The Invisible Man. And I hold those films near and dear to my heart. I have watched them countless times. I think they're masterpieces. So when you venture into this area, maybe I'm too hard on them, but you better have all your ducks in a row. And this movie, I don't think, has all of its ducks in a row. I think there's some good things about it, mm -hmm. but I think it is too long. And it is, in fact, dull. And there are sequences that could have been effective that aren't simply because they run too long. Let's listen to a clip from The Invisible Man. He has figured out a way to be invisible. You know exactly what I'm talking about. He's not dead. I just can't see him. Okay. Now, I agree with you. Adrian was brilliant, but it wasn't because of anything he invented. It was how he got in people's heads. You think about it. He came up with the perfect way to torture you, even in death. Only thing more brilliant than inventing something that makes you invisible is not inventing it, but making you think he did. He's not dead, Tom. Let me ask you, this is, as you had pointed out to me in a conversation that we had, um, this is not about the invisible man. This is about uh, Elizabeth Moss character of Cecilia, Cecilia. Mm -hmm. who is a victim of the Invisible Man, who mm -hmm. happens to be her her ex-husband, if you want to call him that, or uh, he ex died. Psycho. So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a, a pastiche of the whole concept of the Invisible Man. Do you not like it when they take a, a classic and rework it in some way? Like, look at all the Shakespeare uh, stories that are based off of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, but we're talking something better than Shakespeare. We're oh, talking Lord. universal monsters here. <laughs> oh God! No, right. I, now I, I, I know what I'm dealing with. No, I don't. I don't mind them changing things. Look, I was one of the few people who liked the Mummy, the Tom oh, Cruise remake. I did too. I, I did too. Actually, I, I, I don't see why that thing got slammed. It was going to be the perfect start to a whole new series of films. Talk about having all of your ducks up in a line. I mean, they were they had this all planned, and I was into it. And why that thing got trashed, I don't 
No. I don't know either. I really enjoyed it. I loved the backstory of the mummy. I thought that was beautifully right. told. Yes, yes. And she, it, it intrigued me. And she was the way the old Universal Monsters were in that she was frightening, but also you sympathized with her. Right. You she know. had a tough life. She did. And so you, under, you understood why she did what she did. Right. You know, can't and, condone and that's, it, but you understand right, it. Right, and that's key to any film, especially monster movies. And I don't mind them focusing on, you know, the victim here of The Invisible Man, because really, if you're going to do that with any of these properties, The Invisible Man is the one, because he's invisible. Right, kind of you know? tough, yeah. Yeah, yeah kind of <laughs> tough to really have. And, and I read an article, uh, interview with Lee Wanell, who wrote and directed this, uh, and he said that his theory was that if you put the monster as the main character, it loses all of its mystery. And that then it's not frightening. You, you, you steal power from that character by putting it front and center. Okay. And that made sense. Right. That made sense to me. So I have no problem with that or okay. the way it's constructed. Okay. I just, I just think it's way too long. Well, I was intimidated by that two-hour and four-minute running time. But, man, I tell you, I was engaged the entire time. And it was a late start for me. It was 7.30 p.m. And as you know, that is about an hour now, later than it should be. I know. I know. I <laughs> know. I, I loved it. I thought it set up each and every scene perfectly. And it brought you into her mind and what she was thinking and how she was feeling. And then it just built the tension, built, built, built. And then you were shocked and surprised. And then you came back down again and they built it again. And, and it was that repetition of that foundation being built. And then all of a sudden you were slammed against the wall. Okay. okay, complete silence. Okay. No, no, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. The building of the foundation, for me, they were all too long. Okay. You know, a horror film needs to hit you again and again and again until it's unrelenting. And I will say, even though I don't mind the fact that she is the focus, I think, though, they go too far. We never really know the Invisible Man. No. I mean, his character is sketchy at best. All right. we know about him is what we hear right. from everyone else. And he doesn't show up until like the last 25 minutes, really. Yeah. And, and he's drawn in such broad strokes. Right. I mean, he, <clears throat> he remains a mystery, too much so. I needed to know more about him. Okay. And I certainly needed to know more about how he pulled off the Invisible Man stuff. I right. don't want to give it away. It's really cool. It is cool. And, I, and it was so cool. It had me intrigued, curious, hey, let me know more about this. And they dropped the ball there. And with the original, the 1933 version, which mm -hmm. I just watched, and I had watched it a long, long time mm -hmm. ago, but just watched recently, and they really did set up the Invisible Man to show how he became invisible sure, and, yeah. and the, the craziness that was involved right. with that. Mm -hmm. And granted, there's a lot of people who graduated at the top of the class for the School of Overacting in that movie, and that was fun to watch because of that. But that was the, the time period That was the well. period? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's like more of a Broadway theatrical yeah. film type of, of acting. But um, it was interesting to know why, because we don't know much about him. And none of the other characters were fleshed out, pun intended intended, um, except for Elizabeth Moss's character. Right. We yeah. don't know a lot about the other ones. And Aldous Hodge plays a good friend. I loved his character for lots of different reasons. And then we've got his or her sister and uh, Aldous Hodge's character's daughter. Yeah. And that's about it. It's a, it's a pretty low-budget movie. I think they spent $7 million on seven it. $7 million, yeah. So they're, they are insured a profit. I mean, there's no question about it. And I think that's what uh, Fantasy Island was, too, was $7 million. Well, they're both Bloomhouse films. Right, right. And that's, that's the secret of his success. They've got a recipe, High, and it works. High interest, low budget, and uh, the people involved in these films usually get profit participation. Which is an incentive to them as well. Right. Obviously, this is set up for another for another one. We'll see if they go that route. 
I don't know. I really have mixed feelings about him because, you know, as I say, I love these films and it should have been more as far right. as I'm concerned. Well, you are passionate about this. What was last week's movie you were very passionate about or the week before? Was it uh, Call of the Wild? Yes, Call of the Wild. It was Call of the Wild. Tell you us, were very passionate about that tell, one too. You tell us about Call of the Wild because I know <laughs> how much you like doggies. Uh, you know what? This should have been a cartoon. Um, it was okay. The dog was... It was a cartoon. I know. <laughs> but, I mean, the whole thing should have just been more yeah. of a cartoon. And and everything was CGI. I understand, like, everything was CGI. Right, the backgrounds, everything. both, yes. Yeah, yes. Mm -hmm. um, which that, to me, was a little disappointing, too. I thought maybe they might have been in, like, a real environment on a location shoot, but they were not. Everything, I think, was green screened and everything was CGI. Much of it was, yeah. And I never connected with the dog, which is a really hard thing for me to say and not to do because I do love dogs. Well, he wasn't a dog. He wasn't a dog. He wasn't animated. Although some animated films, I mean... This movie coming up next week onward, you're going to cry. But it's a different kind of animation. Yeah. I mean, it's all animated. Right. And it's not supposed to be animated. It's supposed to be a real dog in our minds, and it's not mm -hmm. a real dog. It misses the notes on that. Yeah. So. Uh, let's listen to this scene. Uh, Harrison Ford as Jack Thornton from Call the Wild. I promised you, didn't I? And here we are. You promised me gold. Where is it? In the dogs? <laughs> <laughs> and mush. Mush. Are they broken? Your runners are frozen. You'll help your dogs a mighty lot if you take the jeep hole and, and break them out. Jeepo. Where's what to the crawler? Where are you headed, mister? None of your concern. Didn't buy that map in Skagway, did you? No. That old fairy tale? Lost cabin? River of gold? I, I sent you an article, I think it was in the New York Times or somewhere. Uh, yeah, about $125 this. million dollar $125 million, and, and they came up with an interesting term about the, the mid-budget film that is too expensive. And they also cited, um, we love the Irishman. Oh, the Irishman, yeah. You know, with the de-aging thing. I, I, I know they probably saved a lot of money not using real animals because, you know, that can be frustrating. You know, the dog's not going to always do what you want it to do. Right, and PETA and, issues as well. Yeah, you I know? mean, you get around that, but, but you lose something. You know, as you say, it's not a real dog, so you don't have that connection. Right. Uh, Gene Siskel used to say that he, he knew that you were in, a movie was in trouble when he, he was sitting there thinking about wanting to watch a making of of the film as opposed to the film <laughs> itself. And I would love to see this. Right, Because right. I know the, the uh, motion actor dressed up in a gray outfit and went through all the motions. I would love to see these scenes of him doing that in this outfit and Harrison Ford petting him and playing with him. I mean, that's got to be hilarious, you know, because that, that was, was the cartoon. Yeah, because that was the process they went through. Right. And that's, With, that's fascinating. You know, and that would explain why the dog never ran the right way. The yeah, hind legs right. were always wrong. Mm -hmm. So, and that would anatomically be difficult for a human to imitate how a dog runs. Right. And so that was a computer thing. And obviously they haven't worked that that out no. yet. No. You know, our grandkids, this will be what they're used to. Right. You know, when they grow up. I mean, they, they, they will get this right eventually. Yeah. Uh, but they're they won't know far. the difference. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you think about how quickly this, you know, 
this technology has has developed. Right. I mean, they're making leaps and bounds on this stuff all the time. Right. Yeah. So, who knows? Another twenty years, they'll try this again. Okay, so that brings us on to oh, the last thing he wanted. What was the last thing you wanted, Chuck? To watch that movie. <laughs> that was the last thing I wanted was to have to watch this movie called The Last Thing He Wanted. And as I told you, you're going to have to take my film critic membership card and tear it up because I didn't make it through this. Yeah, I, I quit. It, wow. Wow. Well, it doesn't surprise me though because had I not have been reviewing it, I would have quit as well. Um, it was, and, and I was totally distracted during the film because it was a hot mess. It had, and it was so And it's convoluted. hard to describe. Yeah, yeah. As I said to you, it seems though they wanted to cram five movies worth of stuff into one movie, but then not really explain it fully or make the connections between things. It was... Well, it was about the Sandinistas back in the 1980s and, and the Contras was, and... And then it was about the Reagan... Uh, Administration. Uh, administration and mm -hmm. his re-election. And, and then it's Anne about Hathaway played this... A reporter. The, right, who has integrity, yet she has issues with her father. And Willem Dafoe, who he's off. Yeah, he's a little off. We're something. still not quite sure why. But then, of course, Ben Affleck is in it, but he's in an entirely different story because he's in the government. Right. And we know that he's hiding something. Right, and things do intertwine, but nothing makes any sense. It's like they started all these narratives and then they left them floating out in the air and never brought them back and and I still don't get it it just was so convoluted I, I don't mind ambiguity well and, and <laughs> I'm not the smartest guy in the world but I can usually connect these dots no I think I could have connect all the dots but I think it's just the no, wrong approach because they didn't they didn't give you all of the story but they didn't make me care right Right. I didn't want to work right. on it. Right. You know, I don't mind working through a film if I care for the uh, what you're talking about or if I care for the characters. That wasn't there at all. No, it wasn't. I, I sat through 40 minutes of it, and I turned it off, and I didn't feel guilty at all. Yeah. You know, as I get older, my time's precious. It is. And so if you're, you know, if, you, if you're not going to meet me halfway at least... I got other things to do, so uh, good thing we didn't pay for it. I know, right? Yeah. I was supposed On to Netflix. see that at Sundance, and I am so glad I didn't take my time and effort and energy to see it there. Otherwise, I what it might have missed a good movie. Ben Affleck got an interesting film coming out here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and he's been very revelatory in some of the interviews he's been doing to promote it because his character he's playing is an alcoholic, and of course he's had his mm -hmm. problems and issues, and he's been open about that. And I'm, I'm anxious to see this film called The Way Back. Right. And uh, we'll get to that in a week or two. But I don't know. I've all, I interviewed him once. Nice guy. Smart guy. Maybe not the type of guy who should be in the, uh, in the spotlight all the time. So Skip, what was it called? The Last Thing He Wanted. Last Thing I He Wanted. I never Skip remember that. the name of it. Skip that There's a one. reason. You can't remember <laughs> that. <laughs> um, something that we, uh, I know that this is not in wide release yet. It's Wendy. It's by Ben Zeitlin, who gave his piece to the Southern Wild. That's Wasn't there a song? Wendy. Can you sing it for me? Everyone but knows it's Wendy. Okay. I was just joking. Right. Does uh, that have to do with this film? No, it does not. It's oh, not okay. Peter Pan. Let's go ahead and listen to a clip from the interview that I had with Ben recently. You said this is a film that you've always wanted to make, and you co-wrote it with your sister, is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Tell me, why is this a film that you've always wanted to make, and tell me about maybe are there parallels between you and your sister growing up and making this movie, oh, yeah. writing the movie? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've been, like, haunted by Peter our entire <laughs> lives. Weirdly, not any of the versions of it. It wasn't like we sat and watched it a thousand times or okay. read it a thousand times. It was just him as a character. And, and just in our games that we would play and the stories that we would write as children, he would show up and he was there. And so we've been thinking about sort of who he is, what he means, you know, um, our whole lives. And it was 
always a dream to sort of reinterpret this story and and kind of you know unshackle it from its history in some ways and 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 when we actually got around to having the chance to do it it was interesting because we were at such a moment of the the process of coming out of beast was this growing up experience you know mm-hmm. like we had really been under the radar <laughs> making films with our family and friends in just like a completely sort of neverlandish utopian nothing matters but art kind of way and then when the outside world kind of came into that it felt to me like when i want a child transitions from being like completely in their own world not self-conscious to then wondering what other people you know right. I mean? so we were going through this experience and we wanted to make a film that kind of like flew against all that and that sort of operated with these principles of anything is possible and you can do anything that you want and we wanted to um, make the film in that way Chuck and I will be reviewing Wendy when it's in wider release, and you can take a look at my interview with Ben Zeitlin in the Daily Journal, and you can take a look at that on our website and a link as well. So next week, there's a movie I'm really looking forward to, uh, the latest adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma. And uh, I know you've seen that. I have. And uh, I love period pieces. Uh, especially, you know, based on classic literature. And I love, of course, Clueless, right. the Amy Heckerling <laughs> film that was based on Emma. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, the main character, who is? Oh, Anya Taylor-Joy. I love her. And she was in The Witch. She's got these expressive <laughs> yes. eyes, and she is perfectly cast in Emma. I think you're going to have a lot of fun with this film. Um, it's filled with heart and laughs. And her dad is played by Bill Nighy. Bill Nighy, and I'll be interviewing him on Monday. They will have a clip of that next week to go along with it. But yeah, this is the type of movie that I need this time of year. You know, January and February, the dumping grounds, and I need something smart. I need something a little light, and this looks as though it's really going to fit the bill. I think it will. I think you're going to enjoy Onward also, the new Pixar movie. Mm -hmm. And And I was able to interview the lead story artist for that, Kelsey Mann, and we'll have a a clip from the interview from that as well. And that has voices of Chris Pratt and Tom Holland, correct? correct? Yep, yep. It's an interesting story and a real father-son kind of brotherly love movie. Really enjoyed that. And Burden, don't forget Burden, based on a true story, a harrowing story about South Carolina. Forrest Whitaker and uh, Garrett Hedlund, correct? Right, right. and it's about a family who decided to open up a KKK museum. Yeah, real smart. Real smart, real nice. So it's, uh, and I'll have an interview, both of us will have an Mm -hmm. interview actually, with the The writer Andrew Heckler. Yes, going to be fun. It will be. Great week coming up. Thanks for listening. And we've got lots of surprises coming up in the next month. Yes, we do. Big surprise, big uh, contest coming up. Pam, she's working overtime, coming, concocting all of these things. You're really going to work for it, but it's worth it. Uh, but before we go, we want to say thank you to Sylvia over at Sylvia's Irish Inn and Bed and Breakfast in Urbana. I'm telling you, you know they use that phrase, you're home away from home? Well, when she uses that phrase, it's the truth. It truly you're going to come into this house, you are not going to want to leave. If you're in Urbana, Sylvia's Irish Bed and breakfast. That's right, 312 West Green Street in Urbana. And also a huge thank you to Hamilton Walkers, mm-hmm. one of my favorite places to go for dinner. And I know this is going to come a shock. <gasps> a shock. What? Cocktails. You're kidding. I know, I know, crazy. Good yeah, you, you love the Shirley Temple, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Hamilton Walkers, downtown, champagne. If you need some fine dining or just a nice little place to relax, right. it's, it's the place to go. Great lunch, too. Yep. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.